Welcome to the 360T Podcast, a series that features top industry professionals offering unique insights regarding how the FX market is developing around us. Hello and welcome to the podcast with myself, Galen Stops from 360T. And I'm delighted to be joined today by Melody Martinez-Davidson, Managing Director and Global Head of eSales at BBVA. Thank you for joining me today, Melody. Thank you very much, Galen, for inviting me. Very happy to be here. So the first thing I wanted to ask you is, given your role as head of e-sales, how has technology changed the nature of sales relationships in the FX market? Well, electronic trading, which is now for clients, been around for over 20 years, I think it's changed very much the way that we communicate with our clients in the sense where before many of the conversations were just quick chats to ask for a prize. Well, now Mm -hmm. we have a bit more of an opportunity of cross-selling, so selling more than one product rather than selling in silos. And obviously being able to spend more time to explain derivative products to our clients. So I think technology has been good, really, because from a sales perspective, it helps us to eliminate the administration that trading gives us. But it helps us to have a bit more free time to speak to our clients and to understand better their needs. Do you ever get from staff that you work with a certain concern or nervousness about technology disintermediating that relationship with the clients? Always. (laughs) Years of my life in global markets, absolutely. In every bank I've worked at, in every region I've worked in, definitely. That's always the fear. Electronic trading is making my job obsolete. Um, and, and I guess it could have been for those people who did not adapt. But I think most salespeople did adapt. And adaptation is very important to move forward. I mean, every single sector, not just banking, is going to have changes. And these changes is something you have to adapt into. And, and I think, obviously, the most intelligent or savvy salespeople definitely did. So if back in the day I could only sell euro dollar spots, well, now I'm going to sell maybe a few more options and maybe I go into Mexican peso options and do something a little bit more exotic. And, um, you know, I mean, if you can sell apples, I guess you can sell bananas as well, right? (laughs) But do you think the relationships in the FX market are still as important as they ever were? Has technology changed that at all? I think relationships will always be there, always be there. I mean, not just with electronic trading, but changes in regulation. All of this always indicates that relationships are not important. That's what people always think with all these changes. And as you can see, I'm I'm actually not only talking about electronic trading, I've included regulation here, right? So you can't just trade with a friend. I completely understand that, but it's not being a friend. It's a salesperson. It's the person Mm -hmm. that connects with you when they contact with you. They have to connect. It doesn't mean that you have to be a friend. You have to connect and they have to give you what you need. So for somebody to give you what you need, they need to understand what that need is. So conversation is always important. Relationship is always important to be able to have a conversation. No relationship, no conversation. And at the end of the day, in markets that are so digital and electronic, where the prices are practically the same, what makes the difference? Relationship. 
what else had he given me apart from a very good price or a market price, the price that everybody's given me? Right? What else are you adding to that equation? Relationship. And through that relationship, understanding the needs and being able to offer more than just an electronic price. Interesting. And so has the relationship with your clients and, and how you've interacted with them had to change a lot recently, given everything that's happened, given the consignment? Yes, yes. <laughs> in, in all fairness, during e-sales, my team was traveling a lot because obviously we you know, cross-asset e-sales. So we go and visit the clients and, and where maybe a meeting could have been just 45 minutes an hour. In some cases, for us, it's four hours because we talk about various asset classes, right? And, and we go deep into the different asset classes and what functionality and products in those asset classes we offer, right? So that's not possible anymore. We can't travel. So what do we do? We've gone back to a lot more of the traditional sales communication method, which is chat. A lot of people be in Bloomberg chat one that's quite often used. And wherever possible, going into WebEx and Zoom meetings like we're doing right now. So in that aspect, the way that you communicate with your clients has changed, whether temporarily or permanently. I hope temporarily only. Um, (laughs) But what we communicate to them and what we ask him for is still, in essence, the same. And I think we all now adapt him to the new way of communicating with our clients. But in all fairness, this has been for us very different depending on the client type as well, in the same way that you can easily communicate with an institutional client through the obvious method I've mentioned before, like like Bloomberg Chat. It's not that easy for a corporation or even for an SME, right? I mean, they don't have access to products and systems and you have to pick up the phone, which I guess we haven't done in a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Picking up the phone, but first of all, before you pick up the phone, you have to send an email and ask the client if they got time for you because, for, you know, corporations and SMEs, I guess it's not just the trade in FX, what's important, or trading a bond or an equity to them right now. They're struggling to actually stay open and, and seeing where they get financial aid from. So we're not the most important call of the day. So the call does not happen at any time. It has to be organized with the client via an email. So various changes on the way that we communicate with them. But hopefully, I think um, we're getting it right. Talking about your clients there, I mean, have you seen a distinct change in client behavior recently? I'm thinking particularly with regards to the amount they're going through e-channels or not. Here again, I come back to the different client types that we cover. Okay. Um, because each one of them seems to have responded in a different way. So um, institutional clients, I guess because they had more opportunity to access systems from a different location than their office then they have been very, very active in electronic trading from what we've been able to see. And actually, in reality, from you can see as well in the market and and the results and the volume increases that the platforms have shown and proven, right? And this was, I think, in many cases as well, because at the very beginning of the crisis, obviously the markets were very volatile and just not everybody was at their best, then they couldn't necessarily reach their contacts as easily. So you can't reach them, but you still have a prize because you go through an electronic trading venue and wherever possible, you know, whichever banks could do it, which I will add BBA was able to, okay? 
Sorry for the little marketing there. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We'll allow it. Now, if we move from institutional client base to more corporations, well, corporations have struggled, obviously. And in any case, for corporations, trading FX was not necessarily in their normal day-to-day the most important thing, right? So it might be last thought of the day, oh, I need to ask for a price. I need to finalize this transaction, this payment, right? Now, obviously, if before... FX was maybe, you know, a few minutes a day or the last thought of the day, then now it's become even less and less important because right now what they're looking at is to make sure that this day has flowed. So with them, we've seen a decrease of electronic transactions, really. And with the SMEs, it's been kind of half and half, right? Not everybody left the office necessarily. They had access, but they couldn't reach all of their bank counterparties. So from that perspective, a lot of them have requested new access to trade with the bank, which was not via voice anymore. They wanted a platform. They wanted a means to get in contact with us, which was not by phone. So there's been a variety of responses during the crisis, depending on client times, really. And you talked about before how you hoped that this trend towards more virtual interactions would only be temporary. Do you think that any of these trends you're seeing in terms of the channels that clients are using are likely to stick going forward or indicate a continuing trend? I think so. I mean, obviously, having worked in e-commerce for 20 years now, um, (laughs) I'm a great believer that once that you start trading electronically, it's very difficult to go back to the phone and chat. Not all the volume will ever move on to electronic. I really don't see that happening. Your larger trades will have to continue being with a salesperson or with a phone and with assessments, right? But once you started trading electronic trading, and if you have started now during the crisis, I'm pretty sure that you will stay there, at least for your smaller volumes, your more average trades. It will perhaps not be surprising to you as someone from an electronic trading platform that I'm in complete agreement with your assessment there, by the way. I'm so glad. (laughs) (laughs) Now, obviously, the trend towards multi-asset and multi-asset desks is is something that I hear about a lot. Obviously, for, for more institutional clients than some of the corporates and SMEs you're talking about. Is this a trend that you see or hear about, that people want a more kind of holistic approach from their e-sales team towards what they're doing? Definitely, definitely. I mean, these certain desks, you'll say like execution desks or asset managers or private banks, it makes so much sense to have a cross-asset conversation with them because that's how they're structured as well. I mean, they're structured that way. Why do they have three or four different salespeople covering them? They don't. They don't. They want to trade electronically because they have to be quick. They have thousands of orders to manage. They have to manage them quick and they have to manage them cross-assetly. So they're not necessarily experts. They're generalists themselves. And what they want is a bit of advice of where can I trade it quicker? Where can I trade it quicker at a good price? And that's a service that obviously we can grant to them. In many of the cases with many of the clients, we don't go with a cross-asset sell because like you've mentioned before, puts an SMEs in that sense, it's FX. The conversation is going to be about FX primarily. But with institutional clients, most definitely with 
the largest percentage of institutions that we visit, what they want is a cross-asset conversation. They find it's a lot easier to have that conversation and they can have it with us, uh, not just for electronic trading as well for voice. We'll put them in contact with the main person that they need to speak to if they want something more specific to discuss about a certain market. And we'll pass that conversation on to somebody else. But to start off with, a cross-asset conversation, they're very happy with. That's why, I mean, sometimes meeting with one same company in my team can be a four-hour experience. Yeah. And then the last thing I wanted to ask you, which is, you know, as firms start to think about going back into offices, life returning to some semblance of normality, albeit a new normal, what are the kind of key considerations for you or things that you're thinking about? Well, to me, key considerations is, one, we have to go back to normal, okay? I mean, not just for the safety of our own jobs, but for the safety of millions of jobs in each one of our countries, right? All the sectors need to pick up the lost time in the last three months. And we need to live with the situation. This is an illness that's appeared and we have to live with it like we've lived with many other illnesses. Now, I think it's also important at this point where we, at least in Spain, been confined for nearly three months, right? And we're starting to now leave our homes and our houses and our family to go back into the office is the psychological effect that this crisis has produced among at least definitely my members of staff. I mean, I've seen mm-hmm. a difference between the initial shock, obviously, of, oh, we, we have to work from home, not just the right. other day like we do before, because we work obviously out of the office quite often, but now it's, you know, I don't know until when. So the initial shock then that moved on to a, oh, I, I really need to come back to the office. I don't think I'm being productive. Then the next stage was, actually, I'm being very productive. The next stage has been, I'm being more productive than in the office. <laughs> and, I think, <laughs> and, I, and I think, yes, we are productive from home, working from there on occasion. Yeah. But I think it's very important to have the interaction that we have in an office. And I noticed in my own team where before they wanted to come back, now they feel like I'll come back only if I'm forced to. You don't want to force people back, but you're realizing that psychologically, they've confined themselves even more than what the government's confined them, right? So now you're not confined anymore. You can leave your house, but they themselves don't seem to want to leave it. So I think it's important for all of us to go back to a normality of being in the office, even if that means that we can work from home on occasion as well. I think one day in the not too distant future, a lot of psychology papers are going to be written about the year 2020 and the uh, the impact that it had on people and businesses. I completely Melody- agree with that comment. They're probably the one <laughs> sector that's making a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Melody, thank you so much for all those insights. That was really helpful and really interesting. I appreciate your time. Thank you very much for your time. (laughs) And thank you for this marvelous chat. It was very entertaining. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the 360T podcast. Check the 360T website to catch up on past episodes and find new listings. 